As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into iTunes and downloading today's episode of Kingdom Shifters. This is Evangelist Tim Rabara, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. If you haven't followed us yet, go to Facebook and search Kingdom Shifters today or YouTube, and you can download and subscribe to our channel. I hope you are blessed, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a special way. God bless you. Welcome back, Pastor Paul. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Well, good afternoon. <laughs> well, it's afternoon to us, but you're always, you know, we're always in front of you in some ways. Praise the Lord. Yes. Well, it's, it's good to have you come on back. And uh, I'm super excited. I, I, I received such a, a ton of feedback yesterday, uh, how people were encouraged, were blessed. And I think the most important, uh, the most important thing that you and I discussed was, for people to have an appetite for the end time teaching, which I believe yesterday you stirred it up, Pastor. How did you feel yesterday? I, I, I felt really good. I could sense people were starting to get excited about it, and uh, I think that today, you know, we're gonna we're gonna really wrap up some stuff, some things that we began yesterday. We're gonna wrap up some stuff uh, today. I'm, I'm so excited that people are excited about this subject because this is a little bit deeper. It's not just about, you know, bless me, God, give me a new job, you know, give me a, give me a new car. This is stuff that is eternally significant stuff. And uh, it's all about our eternal destinations and what we're going to look like and the, the crowns we're going to wear and, you know, where we're going to spend our eternity. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, and I thank you. And I and I just I'm just reminded of what the Apostle Paul says to focus our things on the eternal things and not the temporary things. And so uh I'm excited. I'm ready to get into this. I know the I know those that are viewing, uh, we need we want to hear from you today. Uh let Pastor Paul know you are here. That whatever points you're getting from uh what he's gonna talk about today, we're gonna talk about the feasts, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the coming of Christ. But Pastor Paul, let's let's recap yesterday. You, you gave us a little description. You gave us a, 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 just a glimpse of a Jewish wedding in parallel to uh, Scripture and to the Rapture. Uh, give us a small recap uh, again from the from the Jewish wedding and the parallel that we brought with, concerning the Rapture. Well, the Jewish wedding motif is a beautiful way of looking at the whole gospel. You know, it talks about how the Father looks for a bride for his son, and then he sends his son 
to make a covenant with the bride. And uh, they, they, it's a two-way thing. You know, he, he goes, he sees the bride. The father's arranged it. Then the son goes, he sees the bride, and the two of them make a covenant. And uh, there's, there's baptism involved there, you know, the ceremonial washing of the mikvah. You know, it talks about baptism. It talks about that two-way thing that we have with the Lord. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever should believe in him, right? So there's a two-way thing. Um, there's no universal universalism thing here. You have to respond, and they respond. There's a covenant that's made. They drink the cup, and then they're engaged. And that's what happens when we get saved. That's a picture of our salvation. You know, we're engaged to be married to the king of the universe. And then he goes back. Then the, the, the bridegroom goes back to his father's house to prepare a place to bring his bride. And while he's preparing the place for his bride, his bride is preparing herself for when he comes back to take her. And that is to do with her robes, her garments. You know, she adorns herself. She beautifies herself. She gets oil for her lamps because she has to be ready for his appearing. And uh, it speaks about the preparations that are taking place. While well, Jesus is gone and he's preparing, you know, eternity for us. Because mm-hmm. before Jesus ascended um, 40 days after his resurrection, before he ascended to the Father, humanity wasn't represented in heaven. Mm. It was all celestial. Now there's a terrestrial being represented there. And he's preparing a place for the rest of us to spend eternity. But while he's doing that, we, 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 the church, have to be preparing ourselves. That's why it's so important that we we live right. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's not a legalistic thing. You know, we're not talking about legalism here. We're talking about preparation for what has been prepared for us. And so then, you know, while we're all in preparation, then one day the father speaks to the son and says, "Today's the day, son. Go and get your bride." And only the father can make that decision, which parallels what Jesus said about not knowing the times of his coming. And then as he says that, it's normally uh, towards, you know, the, our, our type of evening, which in the Jewish mind is the morning, because their day starts in the evening, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so around midnight time, he says, go and get your bride. And there's a great celebration. You know, he gets his friends. They, 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 they sound the shofar or the trumpet. It sounds, there's a trumpet. His friends shout. And then they make they take a procession and they go to collect the bride. The bride has to be ready. She has to have oil in her lamp. She goes out to meet him. He takes her, um, lifts her up and carries her off back to his father's house. And uh, then they, they go into that place in the father's house, um, which don't that sound like the rapture? Even the word Naso from Nisuin, from that whole part of that, you know, that, that taking for the wedding, the Hebrew word nisuin comes from the word naso. It's the same word lift up that in the Greek we have harpazo, which is okay. the word we have in Thessalonians, right? Yep. So doesn't it sound like the rapture? The, 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 the bridegroom comes with the bride, lifts her up, takes her away, takes her back to the father's house. That's when they, they, they go under the huppah, what they call the huppah, the canopy. They finalize their vows, and then they spend seven days in isolation together consummating the marriage, consummating the wedding. Then after seven days comes the wedding supper. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but that always is it's just so much scripture just pours into that. 
you know, about the, tribu- the rapture, the tribulation period, you know, where, where Jesus has met with his church and, with, with, you know, and then there's that period where, you know, they're, they're, they're isolated, things are going on, and then right at the end of it, he comes back and, he, he you know, there's the wedding supper and people are invited. And if you're not dressed right, you ain't getting in. Mm. You know, if you're not down, you're not getting in. And uh, so all of that stuff, man, that speaks so much about where we're at, where we've been, where we're at, and what is yet to come. Wow. You know, looking on that, I don't know if it's good now to start breaking down the feasts. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask you next. I mean, now that we're into the second part of our our two-part interview, today we want to talk about the significance of the feast. So, yeah, I'm excited. And those that are logging in, there's people, Pastor, that are just, they're they're logging in. And uh, this is definitely, I, I put on the title, you don't want to get left behind. So no pun intended. So if Pastor Paul and I get raptured during this interview, just know what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, what? How, talk about the feasts. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about both the, 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 the wedding, which we spoke about, and the feast, because the Bible says, on the testimony of two or more witnesses, let every thought be established. So it's not just that one motif, even though there's so much in there, but when you have a look at these feasts, and lots of people don't understand about the, the biblical feasts, the sacred feasts of Israel, um, the, ho- the holy convocations. Um, and I learned about them when I was, I was on the mission field in Israel um, for Victory Outreach, when I was running the home, helping to start a church that we had in Jerusalem back in 1999. And I was learning this stuff from our interaction with the Messianic Jewish believers there. And they just know this stuff, man. It's just second nature to them. And when they were teaching it, I, I saw the significance of it. And there's seven feasts. You, 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 you find it in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23. Now, Leviticus is sometimes a book that lots of Christians don't really want to read. But I have had two of the biggest breakthroughs of my ministry reading the book of Leviticus. And uh, this was one of them. There's one, there's one scripture in Leviticus, just off topic, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 23 through 25. Note that down. And it talks about God's five-year plan of growth, how he uses a five-year cycle of growth um, when, he, when, he's, when you're building something. But you can look at that. That's another topic. But then in Leviticus chapter 23, you see these seven feasts, and they take you all the way through the year, and they're a program of events, and they're put into place for God's people to know the cycles, know the seasons and the cycles, to remember what he's done and to know what is yet to come. And these were feasts that all of the Jews used to, um, they used to uh, uh, fulfill these feasts. I've been in Israel for all of these seven feasts. I've seen them in operation. They're still in operation now, but the significance to us as the church is very, very powerful. The first three feasts, are around the time that we know of Passover. They're called the, the, the spring feast. They're in the month of Nisan, the Jewish month of Nisan. And these first three feasts all take place within one week, very, very close together. And this is all around the Passion Week of Jesus. So from the time that he entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel that said to the exact day when he would be he would be entering Jerusalem. So Daniel prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came, 
but his prophecy mentioned a time period that was to the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. A lot of significance in that, because um, that was that was what they call Lamb Preparation Day. That was when you know all of the lambs would be brought into Jerusalem, getting ready for Passover, and that was the day that the Lamb of God entered Jerusalem, getting ready for Passover. So once again, we see a tie-in. But then we, he goes through the week. We know that story. And then we have um, these first three feasts. The first one is Passover. We know the significance of Passover. It goes back to Exodus, you know, when the Jews first came out of Egypt. And when you break that down, man, with the blood, the, the, the body, the blood of the lamb, the body of the lamb, the blood on the cross piece of the house, you know, every household saved and all the rest of it, you can see the significance of that to us as Christians as well. And the Jews, it was very significant. And so Jesus was crucified, right, on the day that was leading up to Passover. And then straight after that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was about the same sort. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time, right? So you have the three feasts. Unleavened bread was about the removing of sin. And we know that that's what Christ accomplished through his death on the cross was that sin, the sin debt was paid in full. You know, when he was on the cross, he, he, he cried out, Tetelestai, paid in full. And the sin debt was done by one sacrifice is forever made perfect, those who are being made holy. And then a couple of days, three days after that, comes the Feast of First Fruits. Yep. What does that correspond to? Well, the, rapture, the, the, the resurrection. Jesus was the first fruits of all those that are going to be raised from the dead. So those three feasts all come together. Jesus fulfilled all of those three feasts within three days. So they were pictures. They were shadows of what it was that was leading up to the work of Christ. And he fulfilled all of those feasts in that one week. Then he rose from the dead. We know that. He was seen by Mary. He was seen, you know, by by the 11 um, remaining disciples. Um, then he was seen by 500 people over the course of 40 days. And then on the 40th day, he ascended back to his father from the Mount of Olives. And uh, that's where his feet will return, right? When he comes back to earth, his feet will return to where it is that he left. But then he told them, didn't he, in the book of Acts, he said, wait, wait in Jerusalem, wait for the promise, you know? He said, you should be my my my... My witnesses, you know, the power of God's going to come upon you. You've been my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the earth. You know, locally, 
nationally, cross culturally, internationally. I'm going to, when my spirit's on you, you're going to go out to all these places. And for 10 days, then the disciples stayed in Jerusalem and they watched and they waited and they prayed. Then on the 50th day, after the, the feasts of Passover, they were in the upper room, Acts chapter 2, and the promise came upon them. On the day of Pentecost, which is the fourth feast, Shavuot, this is the feast of harvest. Um, it's a harvest feast. This was in the month of Sivan, 50 days after Passover. To the day, the Holy Spirit fell upon the, 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 the disciples. And, you know, the Bible says there was 120 of them gathered around there at that time. That makes me think, where were the other 380? Because there were 500 that saw Jesus at the, the Sea of Galilee, right? Right. Where was the other 380, man? You know, you don't doubt, you know what I mean? And uh, But 120 of them were there. The Holy Spirit came down upon them. Every flame had a name. It was a unique experience. They began to preach. They began to speak in other tongues. And everyone around them heard them in their heart languages. Spirit of God came upon them. And the church was born on that day. Then they went away. All the people, 3,000, got saved, and they went straight away to the, the – it was nearby the temple. The, the upper room was nearby the temple. And they went in the great big – what they call mikvahs, the great big baths or full of water where they would wash before they went into the temple. And then they went there, and they were baptized immediately. And that's where the church was born. And so that was the four feasts. The first four feasts were fulfilled. And that started off what they call the age of the Gentiles or the church age. That's, the, that's what we're in. That's what we've been in for 2,000 years. And it's a harvest time. This is about souls being gathered in. Yep. This is about the Gentiles being engrafted into the vine of, of, of Israel, into the blessings of Abraham. Um, and that's why we don't, as Gentiles, we don't, you know, in, in, in Acts later on, there was the Council of Jerusalem, and it said that we as Gentiles, we don't have to fulfill all the laws of the Jews. We just have to abstain from blood and sexual immorality and we have to worship the Lord, you know, so we can simplify it a little bit. Um, but the church has developed. And for, for, for 2,000 years now, God has been adding to the church, the times of the Gentiles. It says in Romans, when you read through Romans chapters 9, read Romans chapter 10 through to 11, you see that the, the, the Israel was hardened in heart. Times of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is finished, right? So people say, How comes the Jews don't get saved all the time? Well, they do, there's loads of them get saved, but the actual nation itself, you know, is still is still in that place. God is going to reveal that at the end. But then we come into this church age, right? And then there's four months. You remember Jesus said to the disciples, You say there's four months to the harvest? Yep. I tell you, the harvest is ready. It's white for harvest. It's ready. In another place, he says, you know, pray the Lord of the harvest. They would send out workers. You know what I mean? Okay. So this is the age of harvest. This is the age of ingathering. This is when we need to be not just playing church or having a good time. This is when we need to be reaching souls, going out, reaching souls, making disciples of all the nations, right? Matthew 28. It's not about everyone coming into our big, beautiful buildings. It's about us going to the hurting, going to the lost, reaching the dark ones, you know what I mean, the ones in the darkness. And so that's what's taking place right now. 
And then there's, a, there's three more feasts to come. So there's nothing now in between the next feast. Right. It will come at any time, at any time, the next feast. And the next feast is called Yom Teruah or Shofarot or Rosh Hashanah. And it is the Feast of Trumpets. Mm. It's the Feast of Trumpets. And this is the new year, the Jewish new year. This is the new beginning. This is the new beginning. And that's the rapture, right? Yeah. And there will be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us that are left alive and remain should be caught up, snatched up to meet with the Lord in the air. Hold on to that. We're coming back to that, right? Right. So then that's the rapture. So that's when the church is taken. That's when all the Gentile believers are taken out. The Jewish believers and Gentile, that, that one new man, Ephesians 2.15, mm-hmm. that church, the, the, the kahila, the congregation, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ is taken by the bridegroom to the father's house where they fully consummate their relationship. And then there's seven days, right? Then there's seven years of tribulation. Right. The Bible talks about. And so the next feast after that is, is the feast of Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which is it basically mm-hmm. speaks, you know, of, of judgment. This is the day that the books are opened. Man, I, I was in Israel on Yom Kippur, and everything shuts. No one drives. No one eats. You fast all day. The sirens go off, you know, at the start of it. Sirens go off at the end of it. No one does anything. They just mourn. They repent. You see people in sackcloth and ashes. You see the, you know, the Herodim, you know, the, the religious Jews walking around, beating themselves, and, you know, going to the synagogue and praying. And it's about atonement. That was the day that the two goats were taken, right? right. The scapegoat and the, the, the one for the sacrifice, one for the sins of the people. Um, that is still to come. And I pray, man, that we are not going to see that. You know, that's not going to be our judgment. We're not going to be judged for sin. Uh, we're going to be judged. Jesus was judged for our sin almost. And so as as believers, right? Yeah. But there will come that right from judgment. You read about that in Revelation yes. um, chapter 20, I think it is. The great now, white throne judgment. As believers, we do get judged based on the yeah. works we did for the for the kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah, we get judged at what they call the bema seat, the yeah. uh, judgment seat of Christ. But we're not judged for sin. Mm-hmm. Judged for, you know, we're, we're judged for what we've done with our, with what it, what we were given. You know, the parable of the talents, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, I gave you. What did you do with it? I invested it, and here's, here's back what I gave. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. That type of thing. So you know, that's when you get your crowns. You know the different crowns, the five crowns. You get, you get your rewards. You know what I mean. Your responsibilities. I mean, the greatest reward, obviously, is being able to just stand before Jesus and look at Him face to face and know just as you know. But there's, you know, there's other stuff that takes place right there. But then Yom Kippur, you know, all these things happen in that tribulation period. The first three years, you know, three and a half years are years when the Antichrist is at work. There's peace. You know, there's a false peace, and, uh, and then halfway through, he flips. Yeah. 
halfway through, he reveals himself for who he is. He flips on the Jews. And then it's just the last three and a half years is the Great Tribulation. And it is plagues. It is locusts. It is meteorites in the earth. It is, you know, millions, billions of people dying from sickness and plagues and famine and war. And uh, you do not want to be caught up in that, man, let me tell you. And then at the end of it, Jesus comes back. Um, you know, when he came the first time, he came as the Lamb of God. When he comes back, he's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back as the judge. He's coming back as the victor. He's coming back as the warrior. He's coming back to take back everything that belongs to him. And that's when there's judgment, the war, you know, of, of uh, Armageddon, the plain of Megiddo, northern Israel. And he defeats his enemies. And uh, and then after that, we, we enter into the millennial kingdom, this, which is the last feast, the feast of Sukkot, which is tabernacles. And uh, that's a feast where, you know, they, they, they see that, that their lives are temporary and that God comes and he dwells with them. And that's what's, that's what's going to come. Uh, so you see in the feasts, man, you see the timeline, right? Yeah. You see that there's a timeline in this and that there's four that have been fulfilled, but there's still three to come. Yeah. The next one is trumpets. The next one is the rapture. So we need to be preparing ourselves for that. There's people that will tell you, don't worry, it's not coming, it's allegorical, you know, it all finished in AD 70, you know, when the temple in Jerusalem was, was fulfilled. There's people that are called preterists, they have a preterist doctrine, which means that it's already been fulfilled. Mm. My question then is, well, what, what is the Bible speaking about, about the future then? Why is there future tenses? Why, why is the book of Revelation written in the past, present, and future tense in Greek? not just the past tense or the present tense, but there's also the future tense. So therefore there are things that still have to take place in the future. So, you know, the next feast is really important, man. Yeah. Feast of trumpets. And, uh, you know, that's the rapture. And the thing is, there's a lot of controversy about the rapture. Some people think, you know, there's three types of, there's three types of view, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tribulation, seven years of tribulation. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Period. The last week of Daniel's prophecy. Seven years. Going to be a, a time of madness. The Antichrist is going to be ruling and reigning. Um, you know, the market of beast comes in then. You know, you can't buy. You can't sell. There's going to be the the all of the fallen angels, all the watchers. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the ones that 
gave gave birth to the, the Nephilim in, he, in Genesis chapter 6, the ones that were cast into Hades, the 200 watchers. They're all going to be released from Hades with Abaddon, their leader, Polyon, and they're going to come out and, man, they're going to just afflict everyone. It's going to be demonic, openly demonic stuff that takes place on the face of the face of the planet. It's a powerful, 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 you know, season. But then there's three three views. There's what they call the post-tribulation rapture, which people believe after all is said and done, then the church will go. After it's been through madness, you know, after the church has been through the Antichrist, you know, then the church is going to go. That's post-tribulation. Then there's some that believe in mid-tribulation that the church is going to go through the first three and a half years of this madness, but then we're going to get raptured halfway through, which to me is is the weakest one. Um, and then there's pre-tribulation rapture. And pre-tribulation rapture is the viewpoint of the revival church. You know, it's been it was a lot of scholars believe it was the viewpoint of the early church, and then it went out of fashion. And uh, it started going out of fashion throughout the Middle Ages. Um, and it started becoming a little bit more post-tribulation. But then in the 1800s, it started coming back. There was a resurgence of it. And that's when all the revivals, the Great Awakenings began. Mm-hmm. People started to sense an urgency. And the Pentecostal movement began. And it was around that time that, you know, that people started to remember and started to really study about the pre-tribulation aspects of the rapture and get prepared and get saved, and there was an urgency in people's preaching. Yeah. And that's the great revivals, the great awakenings began. And um, so there's, there's, you know, there's these different views. But I want to ask you this question. Um, how many times does the Bible say that Jesus actually returns? Because sometimes we, we all assume that there's the second coming, right? Mm-hmm. But what does the Bible say? And I'm going to give us a couple of scriptures two scriptures really to look at first Thessalonians chapter four, okay. 16 and 17. And then there's revelation chapter 19. I'm going to look in revelation chapter 19. And then there's one more Zechariah chapter 14, verse four, okay. Zechariah 14, four. So it's three scriptures, right? Right. The Thessalonians says, he says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. In the where? In the air. In the air. Right? So he doesn't even touch down. He's in the air. Right. And we will be with the Lord forever. And a lot of Christians believe, especially pre-tribulation Christians believe this is the rapture, that this describes how all the believers are going to be taken from the earth, they're going to be caught up, harpazo, or the Hebrew naso. They're going to be snatched up. They're going to be taken away. The bridegroom's going to come for his bride, mm-hmm. just like the Jewish wedding motif, with the voice of the archangel, with his friend, you know, declaring it, with the trumpet sounding, declaring it. He's going to come get his bride and take her back to be with the father. But there's other Christians believe um, that. It's all going to happen at the end, you know, in, in Revelation chapter 19. And the post-tribulation stance is that there's only going to be one return. But I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure of that. You can harmonize it, you know, but I think it seems that there's two different events. And if you look 
Yeah, the, the the first one he comes back and takes his bride up to be with the heir. That lines up the Jewish wedding motif, where the groom comes, gets his bride, takes her back to the father's house for seven days. Are you with me? Yeah. Daniel nine verse twenty to twenty seven speaks of a seven year period, the tribulation period, and that's what we see from uh, Revelation chapter six to chapter nineteen, that whole tribulation period, and uh, so you know. Here's another thing. If that tribulation period is going to be a bad period, right, which it, it seems that it's going to be a bad period, it'll be a time of threshing and persecution and madness. When Jesus is speaking to the churches in Revelation, and Revelation is split up in, in very simply, the first chapter is given the context. Speak the things that were, that are, and that are to, that are to come. Then chapters 2 and 3 are all about the church, right? Yep. Seven churches. Some people teach that there's seven ages of the church. I don't necessarily ascribe to that. I think that there's seven churches. Seven is the number of perfection. I think there's seven types of church that you get. It's a complete view of the types of churches. You get persecuted churches, right? Smyrna right. or Iran, you know, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, you know what I mean? China. They're with us today. You get, you know, you get the, the Book of Acts churches, those Pentecostal types, you know, of churches, full gospel churches. They're still with us today. The Laodicean churches, you know, the, the mega church pro, pro, prosperity, you yeah. know, gospel model. But then you have one, the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Brotherly Love. And uh, in, 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 in that one, in Revelation 3.10, he speaks to it and he says that they will be delivered from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole earth. So straight away you're seeing that there's there's a type of church, that rapture ready type of church. Right. That is, you know, is going to be kept from trial. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Kept from that time of trial. Um, there are also other scriptures that speak about us being kept from the times of trial. But then here's the thing. We see then. The second, uh, the other, the other coming, you got one in the air, in in First Thessalonians chapter four. Um, but then you've got Zechariah chapter fourteen verse four, mm-hmm. which says that when he comes back, his feet shall tread, shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, the Mount will be split, you know, and then he fight against his enemies. Two different things. Yeah, in the air. And one on the land. Are you with me? Yes, I am. The second one is that one where he comes back at the end of days and he comes back then to defeat his enemies. But the first one is where he's taking his church out of the way. Right. In tribulation rapture then, in that, from that rapture, then through the tribulation, the church is no more. So in Revelation chapter 4, after it speaks to the churches, you see, the ch- you see people in heaven, right? Right. To five onwards, chapter six, all the way through to 19, there's no mention of the church. Mm-mm. It's all about Israel. That's the time when Israel gets saved. That's the time 144,000 Jewish evangelists rise up. Yep. That they go out and they preach the gospel and they're martyred and they're beheaded, you know, and they're, 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 they're taken out for their faith. It could be that Gentiles are saved in that period but there will be a lot of martyrdom and a lot of persecution. 
Yeah. And that's when Israel raises back up and fights back against the Antichrist, and then all of the enemies come against Israel because they, they all get saved. They come to know the Messiah. They start calling out on the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. The Antichrist hates it. He brings all of his armies from the ten kingdoms towards uh, Israel, and they all meet at the plain of Megiddo, and then Jesus comes back in the second coming. His feet stand on the Mount of Olives to the east of Jerusalem. The church comes with him. The angels come with him. He fights against all of the enemies and wipes them all out. So it's a, it's a, it's a real powerful you know, picture. When you see the picture, you know, start to read Revelation like that. Read it in its sections. Read it in its chronological order. And it really starts to make sense. Put a church, if you put the church, you know, where the church belongs, and then you put Israel back where it belongs, and you start looking at the different, you know, ways that it works out, man, it just makes, makes it so much simpler. And so the thing is this, is the thing. Be ready. Yes. Because the Lord is going to come back. And when he comes back, Will he find faith on the earth? Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He says, when, you know, when the master returns, when the Lord returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's what it is that we've got to hold on to. We've got to hold on to our faith. Yeah. We've got to hold on to who we believe he is. Right. You know, who we believe he's done. You know what I mean? And here's the last thing. You know, if you are saved, man, then, then understand God loves you, and he's going to take care of you. It might not be in the way that you think. It might not be in the How time. do you take coffee? For most Americans. Yeah. But he's, he's going to be with you, man, and he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's preparing a place for you. And all you need to do, just out of love, for no other reason, you know, because he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So do what he said to do. You know, be a disciple. Reach out to people. Love your neighbor. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, reach out to the hurting. You know, give your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you do that, you're adorning your robes, you're beautifying yourself, you're preparing yourself, you're getting oil in your lamp. You're active. You're an active believer. And when you're doing that, then then don't worry, because when that day comes, you will hear whatever it is we're going to hear, and then, boom, we're going to see the Lord. Yes. My God. My God, Pastor. I feel uh I feel such a uh, strong anointing and um I think today's teaching was just not only did you just stir up an appetite for the end times, but I believe that there's been some there's just been some awakening that's happening here. There's an awakening that's taking place and even those that have kept up and commented and stayed viewing and listening i mean you you pretty much laid out the script and it almost appears like whoa this is a, this sounds like a movie but it's not a movie this is scripture this is written and when you were talking about the feasts i know that it's it's taught as god's appointed times and that word appoint he's already he's already have it established He's not taking back his word. And that's what I love about the Lord, that his word does not come back void. And so as you were sharing that, you can see that we are actually in that time now. It's accelerating. 
ever before. And I feel like what you've shared today, Pastor, so many hearts are open. So many hearts are alive. So many hearts are awake. And, and I just love the ministry that you just shared right now. Those that are watching, would you would you continue to minister to those and, and pray with us? I mean, the spirit of grace is definitely still upon us today. Definitely. I know that I packed a lot of stuff into that. I tried to simplify. You could take, I've taken years, years, 20 years studying this stuff since 99. That's 20, 21 years now studying. And uh, it just, it's just so simple. When you look at it, like, I broke it down to me, it just makes it so simple. And in a complicated world, in a complex world, God makes things simple. And all we need to do, man, is just, is just have a heart of a child. Just be childlike. Be simple in our faith. You don't, have to com- you don't have to compromise. You don't have to complicate. You just have to commit to him in simplicity. And I wanna, I'd, I'd like to pray for you guys. And uh, it's, still, it's still the mercy seat that we go to. It's not the judgment seat. It's the mercy seat. There's mercy. New every morning. Mm. You know, you need to get right with God. If you if you need to repent, if you need to confess, if you just need to shake off some things that have been holding you back, you know, the sin that so easily entangles us and ensnares us and, you know, the things of the world. Today's a day of salvation. Today, right now, you know, there is grace and there is mercy for you because God wants to prepare you. You know, there's people there, and I'm sensing it, there's people, you've been through a hard time, man. You don't know. You're just about hanging on. You're just about hanging on and you're saying, God, I can't take any more. But if all you have left is your faith and you haven't lost that, then now you're in the perfect place. Because that's all God wanted you to get down to, to start anew and afresh in faith in him. And as you draw closer to him, the assurance of his love just becomes so strong. You know, you're already betrothed to the king of the universe. You're already in his heart. You already belong to him. And one day that will be fully consummated. The Father, in this time right now, that a couple of things I pray. First of all, Lord, I pray that we would repent, change our hearts and minds. Oh, God, you have got things in under control. We're worried because they're not in our control. Things feel like out of control. But my God, they're in your hands. Our times are in your hands. We put our trust in you again today. Just tell him right now. Say, Lord, Lord. put my faith and trust in you right now, as new and afresh. My times are in your hands. I pray that your love and your peace would surround and fill every single person that's watching, all of our families, our family members, our households, oh God. You've just been preparing us for what you've prepared for us. You've allowed us the time to make the changes, to make the adjustments. Well, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And then, Lord, I pray that you would 
raise up people in our ministry with the spirit of the sons of Issachar. Yes. That would know the times and the seasons and what it was we should be doing. My God, I pray that there will be a sensitivity to your word, sensitivity to your spirit. Lord, I pray that decisions would be made and we would be looking forward, not backwards. I pray against, my God, the spirit that tries to get people to want to go back to how things were. Some of you are saying, I just can't wait till we get back to church as normal. Listen, it was the normal that got us into this position. There's a there's a new a new thing that he's doing. Can you not perceive it? He says, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Yes. Open our eyes, open our hearts. There's new positions ready for people to rise into. There's new ministries that are going to be released upon the earth in victory outreach. There are new new levels and new layers of discipleship that are taking place going forward. Oh, God, we pray right now that the old would pass away and the new would come. And we're asking you for revival, for harvest. We want as many people, as many of our friends and families and neighbors, and even our enemies saved. Yes. They do not miss out on the rapture. My God, move through us, anoint us, release us. Oh, God, into the harvest. Raise up workers into the harvest field. May we not just be sitting in comfort anymore, but may we be moving into the harvest field. So, Lord, we lift this before you. And we thank you that you hear our prayers because you love us. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, you could... I mean, I don't know you, Pastor. I sense such a strong. And there's such a strong anointing right now. Yeah. Um, and I feel that somebody has just. I feel the spirit of brokenness, and uh, I feel someone has really turned away and repented. And I know this is not a popular message. This is not a popular discussion. That's why you know even the numbers maybe. A little bit low this morning, but that's fine. And this is part of the message of the gospel. But for that one person that has responded, that one person that has given their hearts to the Lord, Pastor Paul, I believe that this day was appointed for them. You know, you know what I've come to understand that um, numbers are not 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 as important as we think. That's right. Numbers are important to God. You know, he tells us how many got saved on the day of Pentecost, how many disciples there were. But size is not always a definition or, or, or a measure of health. You know, just just some heavy dude, you know what I mean, that's got all sorts of health issues, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that are here right now that are, are, are tuning into this, you know, you're, you're the right people. Yes. There's a hunger, there's a thirst, and God's going to do what it is that he does. Remember Gideon? Mm-hmm. Gideon, had, he had a big army, man. God stripped him <laughs> down, right? Yeah. He said, you've got too many people, man. How am I going to get glorified by that? So sometimes it's that remnant. It's that faithful remnant. It's the ones that are watchful. 
Remember the ones that was drinking, watching? Yep. Like dogs, they was actually drinking and watching, you know what I mean? They're the ones that got chosen. They're the ones God's raising up. The ones that are watching, the ones that are waiting, the ones that are ready. Yes. Pour the spirit out on that remnant, and the remnant are going to reach out to the rest of the people. And it's just going to become like a snowball, man. It's going to become like a wave, you know, that just builds and grows and just flows. And there's going to be wave riders. And there's going to be... I don't know about you. I want to be coming back on a holy surfboard, man. Come on, somebody. Not just sitting there going, ah! <laughs> 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 and then we're gonna have a we're gonna have a taco and a burrito, right? <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm gonna have one in each hand, balancing. <laughs> An Englishman and a Filipino, brothers in the Lord. On, <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's the Bible right there. That's a picture of heaven. Yes. And uh, you know, what it's been a powerful two days, Pastor. And um, you know, I know that we we mentioned this yesterday. Um, but for those that really and if you enjoyed and you've got blessed. I don't want to say enjoy, but if you receive an impartation and really encourage, and I think Pastor Paul, we shared this in the beginning. If you, if your appetite has gotten stronger now for these type of teachings, you know we can definitely we can go to your uh, YouTube page, right, Pastor Paul, and we can look up Victor H. Manchester, and we can see these teachings as you taught them to your church, your congregation there. But you have them uploaded there uh, on your YouTube page, right? Yeah, on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, just type in Victory Outreach Manchester. You can get them on YouTube or Facebook. You know, there's a whole heap of stuff. Anyone who knows the way I preach, you know, they know that I like having fun. Uh, but they know that, that sometimes it's the spoonful of medicine, that, it's the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have fun, but then there's some depth. You Come know on. what I mean? Uh, I've got to answer to God, man. One day, he's not gonna. He's not gonna want to know how many ears I tickled. Yeah. Want to know how many hearts I reached? With yes. And that's yeah. the definition. And that's why we appreciate you, Pastor Paul. We thank you for you know. I think you said this yesterday. You're a homie. I was a homie. <laughs> Homegrown, man. Homegrown, baby. Huh? Our very Homegrown. own. I'm none of that imported stuff. I'm homegrown. Come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, we definitely appreciate you and your wife there uh, in England pastoring. And, you know, it's just been an amazing two days. And I feel that even today with the uh, just the teachings, I feel that hearts are stirred, especially the next generation. Right. I think this is so viable and so important for the next generation to know of the Lord and to know of the very of the very principles, right? The uh, the ancient paths yeah. for us to follow. And so, thank you for taking time. And I know that on the rebroadcast yesterday, all day, uh, your your interview it was just being played. People were starting watch parties. Um, I was receiving comments. I mean, all day, Pastor. So I know that throughout throughout today, here in the states, people are going to watch. People are going to listen. They're going to tune in. And uh, it definitely was a, a, a great time with you. We thank you for that. Hey, this is Pastor Tim. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. I pray that you are blessed today and that the Holy Spirit gave you such a word of encouragement. You know, you can also follow us on Facebook, search Kingdom Shifters, or you can go to YouTube 
type in Kingdom Shifters, and you can subscribe to the channel today. Again, I want to thank you. And on behalf of me and my wife, Jen, we love you guys so much. And thank you for downloading Kingdom Shifters.